Well, you are listening to the Mortification of Spin, Bully Pulpit. I'm Todd Pruitt, and I'm joined, as always, with Carl Truman. And uh, we like to use these short segments to uh, deal with uh, hot topics, things that interest us, things that will hopefully uh, interest you in kind of a high-impact, quick uh, approach. The Mortification of Spin is a podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. We can only continue with your help. Visit mortificationofspin.org to make a donation or call 1-800-488-1888. On this episode of The Bully Pulpit we take a look at Mark Driscoll and Andy Stanley's approach to preaching to the pagans. You may be surprised to hear Carl's sympathetic response. Well, Carl... Tell us what's on our mind today. Well, I'm looking at a rather interesting article that recently appeared in the Christian press. Uh, It's entitled, Pastors Mark Driscoll and Andy Stanley, colon, preach with a sensitivity to the lost. And it's talking about a a series of videos done at some kind of symposium where a group of pastors, including Mark Driscoll, Andy Stanley, uh, Lou Giglio, Crawford Loritz, and Stephen Furtick got together to talk about preaching evangelistically. Uh, One of the things that caught my eye was a quotation from Mark Driscoll, and let me read it to you and then offer a a, a few thoughts. Uh, Pastor Driscoll says this, If you use too much theologized language, you will lose lost people. Uh, the church, and then he goes on, the mega church pastor said uh, that lead church leaders will lose their evangelical thrust if they rely on Bible college lingo because people don't know what you're talking about. Um, it's an interesting comment. I think on one level, I have some sympathy with what he's saying. Clearly, uh, preaching is to be clear. It's to involve communication. It's to be done in a way that people can grasp and to understand. I am concerned, however, that what seems to be driving uh, that quotation is the idea that the church itself, as it gathers, is to be primarily evangelistic. Uh, I take the view when I prepare a sermon, I certainly want to try to make sure there's something for unbelievers in that sermon. I I don't want to assume that everybody listening to me, even if they're regularly coming to my church week after week, I don't want to assume that everybody is a Christian believer. Nor in my context, where I have quite a number of seminary students attending my church, do I want to preach in a way that merely panders to seminary students. I want to make sure that I'm preaching in a way that is comprehensible, if you like, to the the least child uh, in the church. But... I am very concerned that we need to understand that church is primarily uh, about the equipping of the saints, the building up of the body of Christ, and that we should not allow, if you like, the limitations of the the unbeliever to have a profound or decisive effect upon the limitations of the language we use and the content we address. I go and see my accountant or I go and see my bank manager To an extent, they're going to use jargon that I don't understand. Part of their job is to help me understand that jargon. And I think there's there's, there's that aspect of church that certainly in this quotation seems to be be missing there. Yeah. Yeah. And and this is part of, uh, I I think, what's been a problem with much of the the seeker-driven movement is the assumption that if we just um, use language that is not 
biblical, so to speak, then we'll remove the barriers of belief. If we just make the gospel comprehensible in very simple language, then people will believe. And of course, the problem with that is that that's not at all what God's Word affirms. In the same article that you bring up, Andy Stanley says something that confounded me. He said, we need to give non-church people the permission to not believe and not obey. Um, I'm actually not sure what he means by that. I, I don't give anybody permission or not permission to do anything other than my children. And I just assume that lost people, if, that who, if that's who he's referring to as non-church people, are not going to believe and not going to obey unless they are changed by the Holy Spirit through the preaching of the Word. And this is part of my problem with what I think lies behind some of the presuppositions that are, that are being held here, which is it's a denial of the sufficiency of Scripture. God promises, he's attached promises to the preaching of his Word. He's attached promises to the ministry of word and sacrament that he will produce faith in the heart of the unbeliever so that my methodology becomes much, much less important than God's program of the word being preached and made plain. Because as we know from Romans 10, faith comes not by my ability to persuade someone, but faith comes by hearing and that by the word of Christ. Yeah, I mean, he goes on to say, Stanley told Henderson, the journal journalist that is, uh, uh, that he believes giving non-believers permission is an advantage yeah. because then they will be more motivated to find God on their own. Right. Well, obviously, uh, we're not quite sure what he means by giving non-believers permission, but I think we'd be quite certain, Romans 1, that yeah. people will never be motivated to find God on their own. You find God in the word of God preached. Right. That's where faith connects with God. That's where you find God. That's where faith is exercised. Just sending people off on their own, having given them a what sounds like a take-it-or-leave-it sermon, does not confront them with the urgency of their position. And ironically, given the, the thrust of this article as, you know, we're the guys who know how to do evangelism and we're going to tell the rest of you benighted souls how to do it, strikes me as profoundly non-evangelistic. Take-it-or-leave-it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, what, what Stanley is suggesting here is conspicuous in how different it is from the preaching of Jesus and the apostles, who uh, were very direct, very confrontational, um, and not very seeker-friendly in their preaching. Jesus was a preacher of repentance. Yeah. The apostles were preachers of repentance, and they pled with people to put their faith in Christ. Uh, you're right. They didn't just present a couple of options and say, now have at it, nor would they have ever assumed that a sinner would go and find God on his own. But this is, this is the quest for, of, of much of modern evangelicalism, the, the quest for an unmediated relationship with God, yeah. whereby I can know God, connect to God on my own, at home on my own. And the idea that 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 relationship is a mediated relationship through his word, through sacrament, through uh, the, the, the power that God vests within his church. That, yeah, that's uh, very unevangelical these days. And I think the other assumption is, of course, that the human problem is lack of understanding. <laughs> right, right. Scripture makes it very clear that that isn't the case. Right. When the disciples go to Christ and say, you know, why is it that you teach in parables? He says, I teach in parables so that nobody will actually understand what I'm right. saying. 
Right. In other words, he's, he's, he's pointing out there the problem is, connecting back to Isaiah and the Isaianic uh, commission, the problem is the hardness of these people's hearts. Right. And teaching in a way that they don't understand actually exposes that hardness of the heart publicly and to them. Uh, if the human problem is merely lack of understanding, then sure, Driscoll and Stanley are right. We need to communicate better. If it's hardness of heart, then the situation is far more complicated. Of course, the other part of this is that in, in fulminating against incomprehensible jargon, uh, they gobbledygook themselves. Right. Uh, let me read you another quotation from Andy Stanley. When you find the tension and surface it in the text, that's the best. Uh, if, adding that if pastors don't do that, I think they failed as communicators. I spent a lot of time, time trying to uncover the energy in the text. Where's the tension? Where's the resolution to the tension? What does any of that mean? That is incomprehensible, gobbledygook, yeah. jargon. That is garbage of no use to anyone. It sounds cool. It actually doesn't mean anything. And I would say if, if these guys are great communicators, they need to drop the hip gobbledygook and start talking the language of clear historic Christianity. Right. You know, the other thing that's, that's, that has to be said is that uh, unbelief, in, in Scripture, unbelief is never presented as a merely uh, intellectual issue. Um, unbelief is presented as sin. Uh, unbelief is, is not something, and, I, and you alluded to this earlier, is not something that just can be fixed by providing someone with more information. Um, unbelief is something that has to be attacked by the Holy Spirit in the heart of the unbeliever. Because unbelief, the refusal to believe, is a moral issue. Um, it, it's it's an issue of hard-heartedness that apart from God's intervention is not going to be fixed. Uh, Romans chapter 3, no one seeks for God. And the privilege of the preacher is that he gets to bring God's living word to a congregation and know and have full confidence that the Spirit of God is going to use his inspired word to birth faith where there was no faith. Yeah, yeah. So I think the lesson really from this uh, article is, uh, guys, cut the gibberish. <laughs> Please don't patronize us relative to evangelistic preaching. Please don't confuse the task of the church or conflate the task of the church with evangelism. We're in the game of growing disciples. Yes, we're in the game also of, of reaching those outside, but we are not in the game of simply communicating clearly to outsiders. We want to build the flock of Christ through the confrontational word of Christ. So if you're listening, turn your pulpit into a bully pulpit. Confront people with the gospel. Challenge them in their ignorance. Challenge the hardness of their hearts. Don't give them permission not to believe. It is appointed to man once to live, to die, and then to face judgment. That is an urgent message. Don't give people the option of ignoring that. This has been Mortification of Spin, Bully Pulpits. I've been delighted to be the co-host, uh, Carl Truman, along with my friend uh, and uh, co-conspirator, Todd Pruitt. We thank you for joining us. Please check out our website at uh, www.alliancenet.org. And we look forward to being with you next time. Thanks very much. Do you get all wound up when you hear bad preaching? Then only think it must all be a waste of time? 
Well visit mortification of spin.org or call 1-800-488-1888 to download The Foolishness of Preaching. Again it's a free message entitled The Foolishness of Preaching. Visit mortification of spin.org or call 1-800-488-1888. Mortification of Spin is from the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Alliance ministries include Reformation21.org, The Bible Study Hour, and events held nationwide. To learn more about the Alliance visit AllianceNet.org or call 1-800-488-1888. We can only continue with your support. Please visit mortificationofspin.org or call 1-800-488-1888 to make a donation. That's mortificationofspin.org or call 1-800-488-1888 to make a donation. And please join us next time for the Mortification of Spin.